I'm delighted to announce that the National Association for Primary Education has exclusively released a video from its Primary Education Summit, Visions for the Future. This video, recorded by me, Mark Taylor, and Al Kingsley, talks about creating digital strategies for schools. This video is available for you to watch now at educationonfire.com forward slash blog, which I really hope gives you a taster of some of the amazing content that was available as part of that Primary Education Summit. That's educationonfire.com forward slash blog. Hello, my name is Mark Taylor and welcome to the Education on Fire podcast. The place for creative and inspiring learning from around the world. Listen to teachers, parents and mentors share how they are supporting children to live their best authentic life and are proving to be a guiding light to us all. Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast. Thank you so much for joining me as always. Back on episode 329, we talked about how the podcast was going to change, especially in March. And that was due to the fact I was co-organising and helping the National Association for Primary Education do their Primary Education Summit, which had a selection of live events, which I was I was helping coordinate. Now, thank you for everyone who got in touch. We've gone from having, obviously, two episodes a week to having one at the moment. The feedback I got has been really interesting, and uh, what I'm trying to do is sort of collate all that together, and then I'm going to come back and give you a solo show and explain how we're going to then progress going forward through the summer and also my thoughts and ideas around that. So I really hope you'll be able to join me for that conversation in the coming weeks. Now, today I'm talking to Joss van der Vestheisen, and he is the co-founder and CEO at Remio. Now, Remio is a virtual reality app that provides an immersive educational campus in which students can learn, collaborate and play. Now, this really is an amazing conversation where you can see the future, but as it can be today in how you can get involved in this and how the reality of what the educational experience for our students can be really is the future coming into the present. So I really hope you enjoy this amazing conversation and I'd love to hear your feedback and let me know what you think about this and maybe how you can even integrate it into your own educational experiences. So many thanks to Joss, and this is my conversation about Remio. Hi, Joss. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. We talk about many things tech on and off is the seasons and the weeks have gone on um, since we started back in 2016. But I'm not sure we've actually spoken about VR directly in terms of someone who's actually creating it, using it, um, implementing it and having that sort of insider knowledge. So, yeah, first of all, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks so much, Mark. It's great to be here. So take us first of all into into Remio then. What is it? How does it work? How long has it been in existence? Yeah, um, before actually explaining what it is, I always like to sort of start with the why. Um, or or maybe there's a bit of a backstory here as well, which is sort of the, the, the quick and dirty answer here is that we first created this to connect business teams. Um, and then a few of the educational partners who look for, for different technologies uh, in the VR realm found us and then sort of spread the word through different education districts about Remio. Uh, and that's how it took off. So initially, we didn't actually build it directly for education, but it turns out that what we've built is very, very useful for education. And um, let me give you a bit of flavor there around the, the why. Um, so the, the problem with virtual education uh, is that it lacks a pretty big part for like if you if you think about high school students and university students, which is uh, of those like of your university or high school experience, the one of the most important or most profound parts is the the social part, the uh, the part where you get to meet new friends, the people you then have as friends for life, uh, and those memories that you also have for life. And um, 
that's that's the one key piece that's sort of missing from a lot of the virtual or, or e-learning um, solutions that are out there. And uh, that's sort of the hook as well that a lot of these educational partners, different schools and, and high schools um, have latched onto. And so what we do in Remio, uh, or the thing that we enable here is is that social um, that social piece of the the remote learning. Um, and so what Remio is, or getting back to the original question, is a, is a platform that allows different um, groups of people, so in this case, uh, high schools or universities, to create their own private customized uh, campus, if you will. And this campus has um, many different sort of tools in there. So the tools are uh, useful for collaboration, like whiteboarding, presentation rooms, um, any educational sort of tool that you need there. Um, plus then uh, you also have so uh, like casual areas like a basketball hoop with basketballs where kids can hang around and sort of socialize around that or golf golf clubs with golf balls and targets. Uh, and then we also have a set of mini games that, that are sort of, at first they were built to help teams learn communication, leadership, um, and sort of just bond as a team. And obviously this is also pretty useful for, well, one, it's very fun for, for students to play together, but it's also good to sort of teach them how to work as a group, um, how to communicate with each other, how, with each other um, how to lead properly in different scenarios and situations. And so, yeah, so this like this campus has all the tools needed for um, for institutions to do the educational part and then for uh, for the students basically to have recess and to to socialize in the same environment, all the while as feeling as though they are in the same place, um, which is sort of the the big uh, tech feature there. And so does this really work for sort of online schools, people that are kind of living away and not able to come into that sort of um, traditional school setup, like you say, and being able to socialize face to face? Or is it, I guess, more now that you've got this sort of blended idea that you might be in the same place for some time, but then you don't have to be there all the time to still get that same kind of benefit? Yeah, great question. At the moment, we are seeing more traction on the, the former. So the fully remote students who don't have an opportunity to be in, in person. Um, you also see uh, a great adoption for use cases where traveling is very expensive. So for example, if, if students want to visit a particular university campus beforehand, they can do so in this platform as well because they can actually travel to like a digital twin of that campus, see what it's like, potentially even meet students from there who are representatives on the platform online at the time. Um, so in that case, it also helps. The, the hybrid scenario, uh, we haven't necessarily pushed too hard or seen too much traction on that front, but it's definitely also uh, sort of a future use case where um, sort of the same way you do with, with companies today, right? They, don't, they only go into the office three days a week instead of five. Um, you could see the same thing happening uh, with, with educational institutions as well. Yeah, and, and like you mentioned, the social thing's really, really important, isn't it? Because certainly from my experience, um, you know, as a music teacher in that particular part of my life, a lot of what happens in my lessons is, you know, the person comes in, they get in their books, they're getting their sticks out, we're setting the gear up, we're, oh, I remember you said you had a game at the weekend, how did that go? You know, all that kind of thing, which as soon as COVID hit and we were doing purely online lessons, it was kind of very factual as you sort of clicked into the into the Zoom room or whichever platform we were using, they were there ready to go and it was all kind of bang, 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 bang. It was really hard to have a conversation in that more sort of social way. So that was certainly the thing that I experienced in terms of what suddenly got lost in in, in, in sort of 
overnight as it were and so i like the fact that you sort of have the two elements that you've got the like i say the social setting so you know we're friends and we're just hanging out in basketball golf whatever that happens to be but also like say if you've got an area where you could literally just be in a room waiting for a class to start or whatever and you're able to kind of communicate as well you that's as close to recreating that real life situation as you can get i guess yeah absolutely it's uh, it's funny you mention that because there's a, a, a term we use for this. We've sort of developed it with, with our users as well when interviewing them. Um, it's not a good term yet, but, but that's because we just haven't given it much thought. But we call this like the filtering in period for the different like phases during this VR session. Yeah. Um, because not every, as you, as, exactly as you mentioned, like before a class starts, there might be a few people that's early, a few people that are later. And um, yeah, everyone's just sort of hanging around socializing while, while you wait for that to happen. And uh, it's something that's, sort of strange in the sense that um, uh, there's a lot of, at least in the education sector, this is nice. There's not as hard a push for everything to be very like on time and as productive as possible. Um, so they allow for more of this like casual socializing, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. It makes such a big difference. And I think that's definitely the thing. I, th I think the remote learning is, is, is really sort of you felt you lost it certainly like say during the pandemic but i think now even even like say with that hybrid idea there's still very much kind of i'm i'm at home which is great but i have a meeting and it's very sort of functional like say and I, I think that's a really a really key thing um i guess we should talk about the tech in as much as that sounds fantastic in terms of the reality of what you experience but what's the practicality you know are there a load of people sat around with um um stuff on their heads in terms of audio in terms of visual you know what does that look like and and, and how does it work and get integrated yeah uh, absolutely so uh let me start from what each person has with them so uh if we take let's say a bunch of students 20 um they're all going to be probably at home they will be wearing a, a headset. So the headsets that we support are called standalone VR headsets. And these headsets basically, or what that means is that you don't need to plug them into a computer. They can run by themselves. They're, yeah, a fantastic new piece of technology for those people who haven't tried it yet. Um, and then uh, with, this, with this VR headset, they basically, their eyes are, <laughs> what, what they see is pretty much controlled with the headset, right? So they, they see, they feel, fully immersed in this virtual environment that is the, the campus for this particular session. And um, the nice thing about the headset as well, it's got great uh, uh, spatial audio built into it. So, or the whole system has spatial audio built into it. So for example, if, um, if someone is speaking to the left of you, you will actually hear that coming from the left. And the same if it's coming from behind you, you'll hear it from behind you. And the fantastic thing that this enables um, people to do in these sort of larger sessions is if you want to have, uh, let's say, a classroom, or maybe this is not such a good thing, but in the classroom, you can have little side conversations, um, like while everyone is there. Uh, and that's a bit of a problem on, on Zoom, right? So on Zoom, only one person or on a video call, only one person can really speak at a time. Uh, whereas here, you can very easily like say, okay, class, break out into groups of four and just like have a quick discussion about this. And then let's get back and like summarize what we've learned. Um, so it's very like it's fantastic for that sort of um, group-based uh, chatting dynamic. So that's in terms of what they have and, and the tech. Um, maybe a bit of, about the like the onboarding flow of that is yeah that's <laughs> they'll they'll put on the headset they'll have to choose the software right there's on on all of the different headsets there's typically an app store they click on the app they wanna they wanna play in or use in this 
this instance. It'll be Remio. Um, they go into that. It's, we make it as easy as possible for the groups to get into the same space. So they will basically say, for example, one of our, our biggest education uh, customers is Ho the Hoquiam School District. They will see a Hoquiam School Campus as listed as the first thing they can see, and they will simply click that. And they will, once they've clicked that, they launch into the space, um, and they will like basically be able to edit their avatar, uh, see the other avatars of all the other students that are hanging around, typically at the basketball area. And then, um, yeah, when, when the teacher's in, if they're not already in, the teacher has the power. The teacher has like uh, a few extra tools basically to manage the class, right? So there's, there are cases where you want everyone to be quiet so you can, for example, mute everyone. There are times when you want them to drop all the toys so they can actually focus on the board. So there's like a tool for like what we call serious mode where they can't pick up any of the toys anymore. Um, and yeah, then, then the teacher can regroup them to any specific place and then start a lecture or go actually, this, this is the more powerful technology is um, VR allows you to actually do the activity instead of just hearing about it, right? So uh, for example, with science experiments, um, that's one of the modules that can plug into Remio. Uh, you can have a whole uh, like chemistry lab set out with all the different chemicals, what they look like. And the students can, each of them can go to their own little station, mix up the right things. If they blow up something, it's, it's not a real danger, but they can like go through the practice of like seeing what the chemicals look like, how they interact, um, all at the fraction of a cost because you don't, have, you don't have to go and build a real lab or take people to a real lab um, and it's safer. So that's also one of the big, the big benefits here in terms of education. Um, and yeah, I'll pause there. I think for me, the, the, well, the thing that struck me first of all was that idea of the side conversation because I think that's really important because that's the reality of life, isn't it? Like you say, you're in a class, it might be now's the time to do that, which is important, but also, like you say, to have that ability to be able to not just be forward facing, I'm just listening to what's going on and it'd be very insular. You know, you know my kids all, you know, yeah, I was chatting to my friend about this while we were doing this, and then we were able to do that, and then we sort of, like I say, come back to the group. So I think that's a much more natural and, and organic way of learning and, and beneficial as well, like saying that sort of social element. Um, the other thing that um, struck me there, like you're saying about the chemistry lab as an example. So is there something that everyone's holding in that as well in order to make that kind of practical um, movement? And I guess the same thing in terms of the basketball or whatever, something that you have to hold in order to move something to make something happen as well as just like, say, the headset. Yes, sorry, that, that was a, a key piece, piece I missed out, maybe deliberately. But uh, so with the headset, you have uh, wireless controllers and um, they, they fit nicely into your hand. They have a bunch of buttons on them as well. The, I would say um, there's like, the, the nice thing about VR is that the interactions are more natural. So more similar to what we're used to in the real world than, um, than what, for example, interacting on a computer is, right? If you have to, like, if you've ever moved an avatar around on, like, played a game, you have to use, like, specific keys. Some of us are really good at this, like, first-person shooter now. Mm -hmm. But for, uh, like, for my grandma, that's, like, she doesn't even know how to click a mouse because it's, like, wow, I, like, it's a completely different thing. But if, you, if I put her into VR, it's, like, oh, how do I grab this ball? Oh, I just close my hand. Mm -hmm. um, how do I how do I press this button? Oh, you actually just move your hand and like let your finger touch the button. Um, so that's that's a really nice thing. It's it's more natural. And so um, the yeah, you get these controllers, and basically, for example, if you're doing the chemistry experiment, you will use the controller to grab um, 
to grab a vase or or one of the potion bottles <laughs> so that's the wrong term but anyway you'll you'll use that um and obviously the the one the one sort of problem we have in the vr space is it doesn't so you, it doesn't feel like you are actually holding um that vase or whatever uh because you have a controller in your hand but the mind is pretty good at, at fooling you so you don't even notice this really uh and there are people working on on technology to make that uh more immersive the one thing i'll add here though is that um, we do have support and um, most most other apps are doing this now as well because the headsets are getting so good they can actually track your hands uh, with pretty high fidelity and what this means is you can do all of your inter inter uh, a lot of your interactions without uh, the need for controllers so um, pretty soon you'll be able to sort of just have the headset and then grab and grab with grab and interact with things in that world without the use of controllers um, it's a it's a bit of a con contentious is that right word topic in in the vr space because some people who are really keen on uh, high quality games for example want the controllers for that feedback whereas like the i guess the other side of like the education and uh, uh, the more general population just want an easier interface and using your hands is very very natural and I guess we could come back next year and have this conversation and like say the version of the tech and the kind of the way these things have developed will be already moved on um, in, in leaps and bounds, not just in terms of a year, but in terms of what that the actual technology of that looks like going forward, let alone five or 10 years, um, which is, is always just incredible. But I think the, the organic journey of that, and especially like say the people using it is, uh, is always really interesting. So you sort of mentioned the school district there before. How 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 does the, how does it work in terms of creating that? Is that a question of of the school district coming to you and then you build build in what they need and then that becomes its own entity and then if another district came or another um an, another school came you you just build as as whatever they need for their particular situation. That's a that's a fantastic question and and sort of a bit of the secret sauce that we have at Remio, we have um, first of all it's. It's in different steps. So uh, the, the first part is like creating a campus that is private to the people you want to allow there. Um, and so, so that system is self-serve. Uh, any, any school can come to us, uh, to the Remio platform and create that, that private campus with two clicks. Uh, and then obviously adding, adding all the, the list of the student or the, the student emails or student IDs that they want to have in that space, they can do that as well. Um, so that, that's sort of the first step is like, okay, we have this like designated campus area. Now the, the second part is what this looks like. Um, and there's really uh, a couple of options here. So the first one is we have a few standard, um, a few standard spaces with their own sort of educational uh, plugins. And, and sorry, those, those plugins, they're actually like portals in this VR or metaverse world, whatever you want to call it, call it. But uh, the portal allows you to travel from the Remio space to any designated uh, or dedicated uh, other educational scene. So like the chemistry lab would be a, a dedicated scene. Uh, but yeah, what these campuses look like, we have a couple of ones that are already off the shelf and we keep expanding that portfolio. Um, and so, yeah, typically there's, there's a few that look more like an educational campus. So they will choose one of those. Then the second part is once they've done that, we have um, tools that they can use to import their own 3D models and their own uh, customizations, their own brands, logos, images, etc. And they can place these wherever. So they can customize this scene uh, to a pretty big extent. 
And what we've seen, so some schools would like leave the customization only up to the, the teachers. Some of them would actually also then pick a few, um, a few like, uh, I don't know, like uh, champion students who would also go in and in their free time, just like customize the space and make it look more like their own campus. Um, so those are like the two, I would say, lightweight self-serve options. The other one that we have had a few times, um, or actually twice now, is where schools come to us and they have seen a great virtual campus somewhere, or for example, they want to um, have a digital twin of their of a, some other real campus. Then they would basically just work with us um, for a month or so, and we would help them develop a 3D model from scratch that looks exactly like the thing that they want. Um, and yeah, so those are the, the options. Yeah, no, that, that, they have. that makes a lot of sense. I can see that. So the, the portal idea is, is very interesting because then... I guess people can create that based on their own world and like say then can become part of of, of, of Remio or or way into that. So for example, as a musician, if 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 that kind of creating a music space is something that I'm into and I've got all the the musical expertise to do that, which might be something that you're either not interested in at the moment or your customers it was not on their radar, as it were, but it's something I'm really into. I can sort of create that independently with the technology that I need to know and the know-how. And then like say all of a sudden that becomes really relevant because someone's come to you and says, oh yeah, well, music's an integral part of what we do. Is there anything you have? And you can then, you basically like say use the portal to sort of join them together. And then immediately you have that access rather than you having to create a whole brand new kind of department, like say a chemistry lab or like say a music room, which um, we obviously just take more time and effort and money, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so that example you mentioned there is, is spot on. And uh, this actually plays into a bigger part of how the VR ecosystem, how we believe the VR ecosystem should work is uh, we're one of the, we're one of two apps that really allow this portal system or have, have sort of worked on this portal system. But we do think that sort of all, all VR apps, because it's a lot different from how you navigate apps in, um, on your computer or on your phone, there it's pretty easy to switch context. In VR, it's like, it's quite a big effort to go from one app to another. Um, but th this portal system should really be, uh, should be ubiquitous, uh, is what we think. And yeah, we're pushing that. And, and so far the customers love it because just as, as you said, like they sometimes have something that we don't have yet and they want to, to plug that right in so that students and educators can, uh, access it seamlessly. And, uh, yeah, we allow that with the portals. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think it's amazing because I mean, for people listening, you know, there might be educators thinking, oh, I. I love what you said in in terms of what that VR world looks like. There might be people who are who are into creating things, thinking, "Well, I thought maybe you know my technology um, journey was going to take me you know into a mobile app or into into a different part of coding or something." And then it's like, "Ah, oh, I sort of you know I've I've heard about sort of uh, the metaverse. I've un I've understood how this might." impact my life but all of a sudden i can now see i can bring in an entire part of my world my hobby my my passion for something which actually might exist in a completely different way but like you say it's pushing those boundaries and, and that's what's exciting about education i think because once you sort of open that passion and that empowerment in those doors like you say the world is then your oyster because it suddenly becomes about the creative process rather than the limitations of what you think it needs to look like because it has to be on the app store or it has to be on a computer or whatever version that is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like uh, another example we have is uh, language learning. So there's, there's like typical scenarios where you want to be able to use, for example, Mandarin 
like in a restaurant or at an airport or at a hotel. And so um, what one of the, the educational uh, partners have done is actually they've made separate rooms uh, that are interactable as well, where people would go in and they would actually have to like use use the new language in this scenario. So like order a burger or a, or a Coca-Cola in in the, the new language you learned. And that just, like I say, it just makes so much sense, doesn't it, to be able to do that. And it's a great, I, I think I love it in the fact that it works in the real world and, and it sort of joins those dots. You know, my, my daughter did a, a trip to Germany and she's studying German and that's great, but she's not going to Germany every weekend in order to sort of get that practical um, chance of speaking, like I say, if it's all ordering a burger and a Coke or whatever it happens to be. But she could in the scenario that you've just said, you know, that doesn't take away from the going to Germany and actually being part of that world in the same way as it doesn't necessarily mean that you'd never go to school again. It depends on your personal circumstances, depends on how your life works out. And I think the marrying of the two means that everything's a little bit more of a, a shallower curve in terms of just learning in the best way you can on a regular basis. And you can still, you know, have all the different spices, as it were, to, to sort of to make it really interesting. But it doesn't have to be an either or. And I guess that's the thing, which is something which is we've not really had before in that scenario. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I um, there there's a, a new thing that sort of touches on this a little as well. So the the one we just mentioned that you also mentioned the example is of uh, sort of people going to, for example, Germany and back and like not being able to always be there. Um, the other part as well is like being able to learn from from the locals about things or like just being more present with like the locals of Germany, for example. And um, one, one thing that's sort of being in development right now is the ability for all of the educational um, users to see all the, the other educational campuses so that they can, if they want to, go and interact with, like, go have recess with a school in, in Asia or any, of, any other place, really, and sort of, like, have that cross-interaction. Obviously, you'll want to have teachers there as well to facilitate some of it, translate some of it maybe as well. Um, but, yeah, that's, like, another interesting little sort of... Um, uh enablement that we're we're trying to uh, do here and and you can really see why certainly younger people would really jump on that bandwagon because in a lot of the gaming they do now you know they want to hang out that's a that's a massive part of it and you know it used to be i hung out with my mate who lived in you know two doors down because that's where it happened to be and on a you know when you had a bit more time it was someone a couple of streets away because you had further time to get there but the ability to kind of sort of have your your social circle which is still an actual social circle even if you're doing it over vr you know that just changes the whole whole way of being so you can find your tribe can't you you can find the things you want to learn but also from that social element you can actually you know maybe have an easier time of it as it were because you can hang out with the people that you want to and develop yourself in in, in a way much quicker than realizing it's not just the person who lives next door or the person down the street yeah absolutely and i'll i'll add one point to that which is that in that socializing that we did with our friends two doors down um it's it's very different from a zoom call or from a I keep saying zoom from a video call uh is for example you um on a, on a video call it's very face to face it's like every sort of it's a very focused discussion right and uh we have this this notion or the thing we're really trying to replicate with a lot of these vr um tools is the walk and talk social activity so what what i mean by that is you need some activity that sort of keeps your mind busy while you are socializing with someone 
And VR is really, really good at that because you can be next, instead of sort of being face to face, you can be, you can be facing the same direction, doing some activity. I'll use like, I don't know, shuffleboard or ping pong as an example, but you're busy doing something and having a conversation while you're doing that. And it makes it much more natural, much more bonding, even much more memorable because um, studies have shown that our, our memories are sort of have spatial anchors, right? Or are tied to, to space. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's a sort of an added bonus there is that, VR makes it really these these social interactions um, much much better the the sort of the remote social interactions. Yeah, and then I think you get a real sense of the difference, like I say, between I'm in a a video call um, than than actually like you say being in a VR world and 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 all of that. And and the, the other thing that just struck me as you were mentioning that was kind of as a parent, you know, the sorts of conversations you have when you're driving on the way to a practice or something like that. It's much less kind of we need to have a conversation now because you know eyeball to eyeball across a table or whatever you know, <laughs> it, it, it's often that kind of we're just chatting away about whatever you know we're both facing forward you know all sorts of conversations come up which i don't think you would just have when you're just sort of in the same room needing to have a conversation there's something much more organic about it and this seems like you know what you just explained there is a is, is exactly that equivalent which i think from a from an education point of view you know when you know you want to have a chat with someone in your classroom or someone that's part of your sort of learning environment like say you can have that in a less kind of not confrontational way but in, in, a, in a much more chilled way that like say that you might have when you're just at recess and you're having lunch together or you you know like say oh, just you know just walk with me while we go to the next lesson or something like that it's much more kind of less less dramatic and, and i think the more that sort of supports people to to sort of connect in like say in a more organic way which seems kind of a little bit the wrong way around when we're talking about vr because the perception is is that it's not real but it actually the more we chat the more it sounds like it's more real than many of the things that we're actually doing at the moment oh yeah absolutely i will um that what you just said reminded me of another another thing that's not super obvious to people who haven't used vr in the right way um a lot yet so um one of the things uh, teachers or, or even people at conferences typically do is they'll have you know, slides up on a presentation wall and a crowd of people looking at the slides. Uh, and and the, obviously this is sort of like, it's uh, nature has sort of forced us into this, uh, this approach because we don't have infinite space. So we need to sort of have slides in one location and flip through them. But in VR, you have infinite space. So, and, and there's a, a, a similar problem or like another problem in VR is you don't want people to sit down and not interact for too long um, because because it's such a focused um, setting, you want them to be interacting as much as possible, which is another great like side side note there. It's, it's a great forcing function to make sure the education that they're receiving is, is uh, more interactive, which is always better. Um, but so for instead of doing presentations against the wall in VR, what we often um, have have our users do is, is like a walk and talk presentation. So they will put all the slides up against like sort of this, this infinite room. Um, and then the teacher, instead of like just standing still and, and lecturing to everyone, the, the whole class will move with him or her um, and like go through the different things. So everyone's actively involved in like walking through this, this experience and like, well, walking through the, the slides experience as the teacher sort of carries them through the different sections. And if someone is, is stuck somewhere, they can stay behind and sort of like have a, a bit of a one-on-one -on -one session with the teacher while the rest go look at the next one. Um, but yeah, 
that's a, that's yeah. another interesting one yeah i, I love that and and i and if, uh, just um from a memory point of view uh, certainly for me and i know i know it's a technique that people have don't they in terms of memorizing things in terms of sort of walking around a room or doing certain things so you can see for those people who learn like that you know actually having that sense of remembering the lesson based on the physical activity and the where and when as opposed to like say just looking at a board or just doing those sorts of things all, all those all those sort of different learning skills that we have you know it sounds like you know the adaptability of what you can do is is infinite as well and so you know you can we can start to think about grouping children in terms of the way they learn not just on on a level of what they're learning or a subject that they're learning in a much easier way because like i say Otherwise, you just run out of classrooms, you run out of situations on teachers and that kind of thing. And actually, as soon as we're starting to learn from each other, like I say, and some of it can be social, some of it can be more more educational in that traditional sense. I, I like the way you sort of said that sort of infinite room. You know, it just sounds like there's an infinite way that this could develop, both in terms of what we can perceive now, but, you know, way above and beyond that as we sort of step into the future. Yes, yes. That, that touches on sort of a, a bigger topic, which is, I feel like everyone who experiences VR and like does it for a bit realize that realize that infinite potential of it, and uh, then very soon you feel like oh I wish there was I wish it was easier to do more of it. And there are a bunch of companies working on that to make it easier for people to sort of do anything they want to. You could think of it as like in the real world we could almost do anything we want to, um, but it's it's a lot of effort and a lot of material and a lot of work to do anything we want to. But in, in VR, it's way, way cheaper to do the same kind of thing. Like building a house is, it doesn't cost you the actual material. It's just like, you have to be able, you have to have the tools to build that house in, in the VR space. Um, and so that's like this, this bigger topic of the, the whole VR ecosystem is like, how, how can we make a new kind of way of developing, um, developing this, right? It shouldn't be the standard, like, oh, everyone has to code up something that then can do it. Um, it's almost like we need this this uh, weird like genie tool in a way <laughs> yeah and i guess i guess that's uh, maybe it's not and you have to excuse my ignorance here but the idea of kind of i'm not able to code this so i'm never going to be able to build a website except i can drag and drop and have various templates and various setups which enable me to do it with limited technical knowledge i just need to know the way around this particular application in the way it works and actually i can get where i need to go and i i don't know is that the same sort of thing in, in a principle uh, yes, yes. So it, yeah, that's the that's the other part of it. It's, it's yeah, actually, it's the same point. So it shouldn't need an expert coder to make these things because it's um, like the functionality is already there. You just need to be able to like set it free in a sense. Yeah, yeah, perfect. I love that. Yeah, great. Well, really well put. Um, so sort of turning back in, in into your sort of life, is there a school experience that um, had an impact, or is is there a teacher that you particularly remember, and and why was that? Yeah, um, that's a good question. So I don't have one in particular that I can highlight, but let me let me chunk it in, in this way. So the, the first part I'll mention, which is sort of on the topic here, is definitely, I would say, like an, a very prominent role in, in my like, you know, primary school, high school, university has always been like the friends that surround you. So friends definitely play a big role. Um, but then also there's like, from almost every period in in that whole timeline i can remember like teachers who you know who sort of changed the path for you uh, but you didn't even know it back then so for example uh in in high school both my language like language was my worst subject um you can probably tell but uh, like i was i was really strong on the sciences and maths but language was the worst 
and uh, I I sort of I didn't appreciate it back then. But the English teacher, uh, so I, like we, in our school system, we had the same teacher in all five uh, high school grades or years, and um, the English teacher and the um, the Afrikaans teacher I had, uh, they actually without me knowing it. Um, got me really into reading back then or like so like I started reading after high school but they were really the the sort of the the pillars that that formed that for me mm -hmm. and now I, I've sort of realized like how important reading really is or it took me a little while but um, yeah I'm very very sort of grateful for the influence they had there and like they they sort of taught me how to read how to analyze it all, all the different things there or how to love it really is probably the, the biggest one um, that, that was very profound. And then the other, the other sort of chunk that was very profound for me as well is for anyone who's done research, um, or like, uh, so uh, like in my undergrad, at the, end of, at the end of undergrad, and then during the sort of masters and PhD that I did, um, all the supervisors I had there, you obviously you become very close with them. You sort of, I, I've never had a bad supervisor. They've always been exceptional and sort of pull your, I, I think about it as like how Aristotle, I think it was Aristotle who like taught, um, uh, ed or educated Alexander the Great, maybe. Maybe I'm wrong there. But I sort of think of it as like they, they pull your brain into the different directions that you don't know could exist yet. Uh, and I really sort of love that uh, from all of them. And they were all still have a special place in my heart. Yeah. I mean, and like I say, it, it's not necessarily the fact of, like I say, how you were taught how to form the words or how you're able to do two plus two. It's it's much more the 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 surrounding parts that make the difference. Like I say, and enable you then to take it into your world, whatever that happens to be. And and you sort of mentioned there about your, you know, your academic studying and that kind of thing. Can you just sort of give us a, a very brief kind of idea of of kind of how you got to where you are in 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 term in terms of that journey? Because I would you know. VR isn't something which is necessarily on someone's career map when they're when they're asked what they want to do when they leave school. So it's just just a very sort of brief journey of, of how that sort of becomes a reality based on, like I say, for that sort of schooling through. Yeah, uh, the 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 one sentence answer is sort of like uh, I fell I fell into it by luck. So um, did engineering undergrad in South Africa, and then at the very end of that we had a a demonstration of the. It was like a very early VR headset back then. I think it was the DK1 or DK2 Oculus headset. Um, and uh, that demonstration, when, when I went into the, the VR experience, it completely blew my mind and sort of shifted my life like, hey, I really want to work into on this in the future. Um, but they, like as you mentioned, it, it's not easy to see how you just start working on VR. And I definitely knew I wanted to do a post-grad post degree as well. And the sort of connection I made back then was, okay, um, this technology will need to use a lot of like uh, automation, machine learning, that kind of things. Like, and, and it does now, it does do that now. And so I thought, okay, a great next step if I want to do a postgrad and then eventually work in this is to do a machine learning, um, machine learning focused research uh, postgrad. And so that's what I did. And then obviously um, when I ended the, the PhD, uh, the, the whole AI hype was pretty high as it is now with ChatGPT, but it was it was high back then as well. And so we first went out to try and do a, a, an AI startup. That one didn't get the, the traction that we needed. And then we, um, my co-founder and I got pulled back hard into the, our original passion, which was AR and VR. And so yeah, that's, that's when we started Remio. And uh, it's been a, a fantastic journey so far. 
Yeah, amazing. It's it's just fascinating to sort of hear, like, say, how those things happen. And I always love the fact that it's always that kind of gradual shifting journey. It's never kind of, oh yeah, there's where I'm going, straight line. Oh yeah, in, in a way you go. <laughs> That's just the way life doesn't work like that in any any shape or form. But it's always interesting to hear everyone's sort of version of that. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given, or maybe is there a piece of advice now you give your younger self looking back? Uh, yes, again, good, good question. The I would say the yeah the harder part here is always deciding which one, uh, which which one piece of advice to give here, or like or one piece of advice that I've been giving to share. Um, I would say the the one that's top of mind for me now, uh, because I recently did like a self reflection, self reflection journey, is um, if I talk to my younger self, it would be something like. Uh, instead of working longer hours, um, try to be more efficient with each hour. So um, I can maybe give a little anecdote of that to, to lock it in. But there, there's this Elon Musk, or like when, when, I, when I started my PhD, there was a talk by Elon Musk where he says, you know, the person who works 100 hours a week can get double done what a person does in, in 40 hours, in a 40 hour week. And I was like, oh yeah, like makes complete logical sense. Uh, and then I did that and um, uh, the thing you, you start to realize is that it, it feels like you, you get quite a lot done, but it feels very inefficient. You look back and you're like, wow, I could have actually done a lot more. And that's sort of when it dawned on me that, hey, um, there's, there's a limit to how many hours you can work in a week, but there is really actually no limit to how efficient you can be in one hour. So if you, if you really want to scale to like beyond just 2x of what someone does, like to go to like 10x of what someone gets done in a week, you should try to make each hour uh, more efficient. And so what I've done now as a sort of practical thing to do that is is maybe <laughs> sort of going back to education, which is like earmark a part of your day or a part of your week to actually make like learn new things, make yourself more efficient so that the hours you spend in the next week are like, uh, you know, just more productive. So, yeah. yeah. I, I, yeah, I love that. I think it's fantastic. And and also uh, a real sort of step forward than just kind of I can be more productive because I can just turn my phone off or I can be more focused in what you're doing. Like I say, I love that kind of being able to focus on something which then generates the next part of your, like I say, your day, your week or your month or or the next thing you're studying. I think that's, yeah, great, great advice. Um, is there a resource you'd like to share? It could be anything from a podcast, video, film, book, song, but something which you think would have an impact on somebody. Uh, yes, I, I I don't know about impact is always a hard one, but I'll I'll highlight two sort of carve outs that I I really enjoy recently. Um, so the the one is there's a podcast called the Acquired Podcast. Um, so for anyone who's sort of interested in uh, in many things, but the, the nice thing they do is they go into like a two and a half hour deep dive session on different companies or people, uh, which, which is always just fascinating. It's sort of like, um, like a little history lesson. And I do think people underrate history or like uh, learning history a lot. So uh, yeah, I, I think this is like a modern twist on like learning about history, which is fantastic. Um, and then the other one is the book that I'm currently rereading for the third time. <laughs> it's called The Hard Thing About Hard Things by um, Ben Horowitz and it's yeah just as well it's a fantastic story first first thing and, and that's another thing like stories um, stories are the best way to learn I think so uh, yeah it's just a fantastic story and you'll I think everyone will get something out of it yeah fantastic and we'll, we'll have links to those things on the show notes as well so if people missed it they can just click straight through as well so um, that's really 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 interesting and, uh, and like I say stories stories key and I think one of the things you've been able to do brilliantly today is to kind of sort of 
let us sort of step into that reality of the VR world in terms of sort of really understanding what it feels like and looks like and and, and that sort of development through, which I think is it's a difficult thing for people to perceive if it's a new thing to you. Uh, easier if you've sort of had that experience, but I, I don't know what the percentage of the population are that, that have had it. I would I'd assume not everyone listening has necessarily had a VR set on or actually taken part in anything um, to, to a very much of a degree anyway. So um, so that's yeah, really, really good. Um, and, and just to round up, the... Um, the acronym FIRE is important, obviously, here at Education on Fire. And by that, I mean feedback, inspiration, resilience, and empowerment. What is it that strikes you when you hear that? Um, I, I'd say the last three strike me quite a bit, like impact, resilience, uh, sort of, uh, what's the word? It, like, uh, it makes me think of stoicism. Um, well, like, yeah, in a, in a way. But which I, I really like. And there's sort of this like new, um, what do you call it? Like uh, people are, it's reinvigorating or being reinvigorated in the general population. Um, but yeah, I would say those things stand out for me. And I, I definitely think like uh, impact is, is probably key here. Fantastic. Well, Jos, thank you so much for taking us into your world and and more than that, taking us into the future, I think, because there'll be many people who are excited about the reality or VR reality of actually taking part in this sort of thing, but also, like I say, having it part of their life, whether that happens to be a job or um, part of their, their new world community, however that develops into the future. Yeah, so thanks very much indeed. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail, but the lighting of a fire.